Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lakers Lair. I am your host, Randy King, and I am joined today by a special guest and NBA insider, Basketball Society's own insider, Scoop B. Robinson. How you doing, Scoop? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Brandon Scoop B. Robinson in the building with my man, Randy King. That's right. So as as you know, guys, uh, there's many ways you can find this episode. Multiple platforms. You can go onto the Basketball Society online website. You can go onto our Twitter account, which is at uh, B Ball Society underscore. You can go to the Lakers Lair Twitter, which is simply at Lakers Lair. You can also go onto my individual Twitter page at King underscore Randy ninety five, where I'll be retweeting the episode from the Lakers Lair account. And lastly, you can go on to SoundCloud, where you can go on to the Basketball Society SoundCloud, where you can find other podcasts like Thank You Very Much, The Atlantic Files, several other uh, spectacular podcasts with a lot of good content for you. And you can also go on to the Lakers Lair SoundCloud. So, like I said, a multitude of ways. Um, if you need to run it back and see which one you want to go um, hit up and follow, uh, be sure to do that. So we'll kick things off with our Lakers Decade Recall. Like every episode, we will be doing this up until the new year. So we'll basically be recapping uh, some of the Lakers moments, some of the Lakers uh, review from 2010 to 2019. And today we're going to be talking about the Lakers' worst draft picks and Lakers' best draft picks. And Scoop, I'm going to run through some of these draft picks and you let me know which one do you think um, either panned out well for the Lakers or panned out well just in terms of uh, their overall career. So, in 2010, to kick off the decade, the Lakers drafted Devin Ebanks out of West Virginia and Derek Character. 2011, that was the year removed from the championship. They went with Darius Morris and Andrew Goudluck. 2012, they only had one draft pick. That was the Mr. Irrelevant, so to say, Robert Sacre. Next year, they went with a man out of Duke, Ryan Kelly. The following year... They went with Julius Randle, who is now with the New York Knicks. 
the fall or the next year in 2015, D'Angelo Russell, Larry Nance, we all know what they're doing. Uh, Larry Nance rocking out in Cleveland, and D'Angelo Russell doing his thing out in Golden State. Brandon Ingram the following year, and Abiche Zubac in the first or in the second round, 2017. They went with Lonzo Ball, 2018 Mo Wagner, and last year. We essentially had DeAndre Hunter, but that was eventually traded um, two different times, so essentially the Lakers didn't really have a draft pick. So, Scoop, out of all those names, like I said, might not have, a lot of them don't really necessarily play for the Lakers. I don't think any of them really do right now, actually. So um, let me know what you think was the best Lakers draft pick from the 2010 to 2019 decade. Uh, there are two that stand out to me. Um, Derek Character, excuse me. Well, I like Derek Character in high school. I'll say that he went to Scotch Plains, uh, Fanwood High School in New Jersey. I got a chance to check him out um, in, in, in high school. But as it relates to the NBA level, the two teams or the two names that stand me are, is one obviously uh, D'Angelo Russell is, is living his best life. Uh, he lived it in Brooklyn last year, and uh, you know. Coming over to Golden State, uh, he's he's uh, he started out hot. He's, he's hurt, but um, those are the two names that stand out to me. Uh, Julius Randle, uh, now a member of the New York Knicks. Julius had a decent year uh, last couple of seasons, yeah. and and, uh, and um, you know he's a twenty and ten guy. I was going into the season really, you know, believing that Julius uh, could be a, a league leader uh, at, at the big man position in the in, in an NBA Eastern Conference that. You know, is is led by uh, Joel Embiid uh, right. as a big man. Yeah. You know, arguably one of the best big men in the Eastern Conference. But um, you know, overall, about the work, I like Randall and I, and I like uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and I'm just gonna give a shout out to um, Zubac. I mean, talking about a steal in the oh, yeah, second. Yeah. 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 Right. You're talking about a steal in the second round. I mean, you get him with the 32nd overall pick, and, you know, he did some great things when thrust into, uh, like, starting roles or even, you know, when there was injuries. Uh, and last year when JaVale McGee went down, Zubac stepped in pretty well. And, you know, he definitely showed that he can be a very solid contributor. And uh, who knows, maybe later on down the pipeline, uh, could be a starter for a team that's looking to, you know, um, dish out some money to a center and maybe, you know, uh, just looks for depth. And he's doing pretty well with uh, the Clippers. Obviously, they're going to be in the in the mix when it comes to the postseason. Zubac is going to have to play a pretty important role. And he's a solid rebounder. And he's getting better at, you know, defense and sliding his feet and contesting shots. So uh, I like Zubac in that second in that second round in that draft. So he's probably my um, he's probably my favorite in that. When you said Zubac, I, I so meant to mention that. Um, yeah. Zubac is um, a guy, a former Laker, uh, headed over to the Clippers, and uh, you know one thing that is interesting is great is you know he worked with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, in the off season, uh, preparing for this season, footwork and. You know, they, they 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 nickname him. Some of them call him Zoo Al Sender. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> Zoo Al Sender is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's name before he converted to, to um, his right. Muslim faith. But yeah, Zubac I think is, is 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 a throwback because he's a traditional big man in a lot of senses. But you know, played big. Really, I, I started to pay attention to Zubac in the Christ, in the in the Christmas game that the Lakers had against uh, the Golden State Warriors, the game where LeBron James got hurt. I mean, Zubac held his weight, helped them win that game. Yeah. Uh, Ron being out, and I think, you know, them being traded to the Clippers, a lot of people were scratching their heads. But, you know, that cleared salary cap space for what eventually would become, you know, Anthony Davis joining the Los Angeles Lakers this offseason via trade with the Pelicans. So, 
a lot of interesting things coming about, but I, I like Zubac. I do. No, yeah, me too, definitely. And two names I forgot to mention were Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. Like I said, a lot of these names aren't necessarily on the Lakers anymore. Kyle Kuzma is the one um, that's the lone survivor, uh, like you said, from that Anthony Davis trade. But, you know, when you when you see the Lakers, but a lot of their names uh, come through, uh, you know, free agency. They don't really acquire a lot of players through the draft. And uh, we kind of see that unfold right now. But I want to get to one of my favorites and talk about the Lakers' worst draft picks, and <laughs> I got some very strong opinions on this. Um, I'm going to give you my worst draft pick, and I want to know if you kind of agree with me. My worst draft pick that I have for the Lakers is Robert Sacre. <laughs> uh, um, tell me why. Why? I'm going to tell you why. He played four years with the Lakers hasn't played a single NBA game since. You know, like I said, he's Mr. Irrelevant. You know, he's the 60th overall pick. Um, I just think they, he never really developed. He never really, like, got better. You know, he was on some pretty bad Lakers teams, and he got some run. But, like, he's just... You know, I was expecting Robert Sacre to eventually turn into like, kind of like what Zubac is now. You know what I mean? Less, a bench center, you know, pick up some of the dirty work, uh, do your thing. But then he just he just never got better and it just it was it was very sad to see and his career just never got off the ground and it was kind of a wasted draft pick i think you can find better prospects in the second round or even undrafted that go through the g league and robert soccer was just he was just a bad player and i think he's the worst draft pick the lakers have had this whole decade and there's been some pretty bad ones but he's definitely he takes the cake for me yeah man i mean you, you talk about uh Robert Sacker, you, you have. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Kelly, um, you can throw Ryan Kelly in there as well. Yeah, the Ryan Kelly experiment was interesting. That was 2013. He was a second round pick, I believe. Was he like 48th or something? Yeah, like that? 48th. Yep, right on the money. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so. And Anthony Brown, the next year out of Stanford, you know that didn't really work out. He was kind of he only played 41 games with the Lakers. So I mean, a lot. It's a lot of second rounders, and I'd say the most. I want to, I want to say like out of this one, like the worst draft picks. I want to say the biggest disappointment has been Brandon Ingram. I think we can both agree on that. That Brandon was a disappointment. I would say, I mean, in, in terms of what the Lakers are looking out of him to do, and what they kind of like saw in him, like a kind of like a mini Kevin Durant. His like, I would say the biggest disappointment taking number two overall. I mean, they gave him a couple years. They gave him three years to you know take the next step, and I don't think he ever did. That's just- that's difficult for me to say only because um, in the long run, that Lakers team, he was he was brought in to be shipped out. You know, he was the second pick in the 2016 draft. I was winning the day he got tripped, the day he was drafted. Um, I think that the expectations were high. You look at guys that were also drafted in that draft, like like um, Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. And I think that um, I look at Brandon Ingram as a as a. I think that Lakers team is it was just a lot of pressure and they were in a rebuild period particularly when you look at that Lakers team in 2016 he was still playing alongside no he wasn't playing with Kobe at that point Kobe had retired it was a brand new team they were going around him and they were still young I I don't think that's fair to say he's the worst only because they were in that rebuilding period um and he and LeBron together on the court just didn't work and I think I, I don't I don't I don't know that I agree with that only because of the circumstances. Right. I no. think the best part 
time year he had was last season, and he was dealing with blood clots. He was dealing with you know whether he was going to be traded all year. That whole Anthony Davis thing, and I, I don't know. I I, I disagree, <laughs> but I don't. I think I think. I don't know. I just disagree. Yeah. No, no, I get I get it. And that's the beautiful thing about basketball is, you know, you're everyone's entitled, you know, to have their own viewpoint and I, I, I do agree I do see what you're saying coming from Brandon Ingram's perspective, you know, coming in um and asking him to take over a fran like be the face of a franchise that just saw Kobe Bryant walk out the door. You know, there it was like you said, he was, he walked into a situation and then, you know, wasn't dealt with the best roster. Um he had Luke Walton as the head coach, you know, first-time head coach, and then he had to adjust to a lot of new things, like a lot of new roster changes, getting LeBron and, you know, essentially being the centerpiece of all trade talk and then trying to deal with that. So I get what you're saying, um, but I just think from, like, if you're from the outside looking in, you know, number two overall, um, just like from outside fans' perspective, you expect a number two overall pick to be a superstar by his, you know, fifth or sixth year, and I just think Brandon Ingram's a little bit um, away from that. But you know, like I said, he had a, he had a lot to deal with uh, his first couple of years. So I see what you're saying. I would see what you're saying. Trust me, I do. <laughs> so, um, but I won't say he's the worst draft pick. I just said he was the most. I think he's the most disappointing. Worst draft pick by far goes to Robert Sacre. Moving on from that, we're gonna get on to. The man of the hour, um, Mr. LeBron James, and he's going to be a kind of a center point for this whole episode. Um, I just what he's doing right now at the age of 34, uh, he's turning 35 next month in December, on December 30th, a couple days after Christmas. He had seven consecutive triple double or seven consecutive games with 10 assists, and then he had his latest triple double against OKC when he had 25, 11, and 10. And that was the first time in NBA history that a player has had a triple double against all all teams. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, the the only person who came close to doing it besides LeBron was is the, one of the assistant coaches we know well and be Hall of Famer, uh, Jason Kidd. And I was saying since Magic, the stat that I was talking about was since Magic was the second seven consecutive triple doubles. The last Laker to have those, I think it was maybe three or four consecutive triple doubles. We want to fact check that was uh, Magic Johnson uh, back in the '80s when he was a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, legendary point guard. You might have heard of him. Yeah, um, a bit. But, uh, You know, I was at the Lakers Bulls game uh, earlier this month, and um, I watched him take over a game in a way where. It wasn't just triple doubles. It was really just a will to win. I remember um, just that Bulls game. The Bulls had the lead throughout the game or, or throughout the first and second quarter. And, you know, the Lakers went to halftime with LeBron willing them to win. And, and, and I was just watching just his body language and his facial features and just how he wasn't going to let a young Bulls team, you know, beat the Lakers. And, and the, the Lakers came back and won that game. But um, I think the way LeBron is doing it is, is surely a, a revenge season. Um, and I think he's taking full advantage of it. Uh, I know Jason Kidd's son, TJ, uh, very well. And TJ said to me, he compared uh, LeBron James to both um, Picasso um, and Tiger Woods. That's, a, that's an interesting mix. I like that. I can, I can and, see that. Uh, it is an interesting mix. Um, and it's interesting, you know, kind of dissecting that you know Tiger Woods and LeBron James had the same birthday of December 30th wow that's a uh, little fun fact that's what that's why we brought you on Scoop for those little fun facts <laughs> uh, 
I was stalling because I wanted to check Google just to make sure I wasn't looking like a jerk. But yeah, he was. They both have the same birthday, December 30th. And, um, you know, to go to your, your, your question about LeBron, I think one of the reasons why he and Anthony Davis collectively are playing quite well is just, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Anthony Davis told me recently that, um, you know, it's a surprise that they've clicked as well as they have. You know, LeBron told him, you know, they're not quite peanut butter and jelly yet. They're more like peanut butter and banana. <laughs> um, and and they're finally with it cooking all cylinders. And, you know, Anthony also told me that, AD also said that, you know, LeBron James was taping a lot of uh, Space Jam this summer, so they didn't really get a chance to work out together in the offseason. But, you know, they seemed to find a rhythm early on. And, you know, basketball heads who are really, you know, in tune with their, their craft, you know, they find a way to, to make those things happen. So it's not really a surprise there yeah. that they've been able to become a cohesive unit um, because they both fill up a stat sheet. And they both um, have this will to win. You know, Anthony Davis shared with me uh, a couple months ago um, that, you know, the Lakers are, you know, championship is their goal. Defensive play of the year is his goal. Um, and, you know, by any means necessary, they're trying to get it done. So it's a long season. One of the apprehensions that I have about LeBron and the Lakers at large is I don't want them to burn out. You know, that, that game against Memphis to me was a bit sloppy. Yeah, that was a dogfight. That, that was, I mean, you saw LeBron. You know, play the longest minutes you know, outside of the uh, Dallas game. He played the longest minutes of the season, and uh, yeah, he he got he kind of struggled in that game a little bit. I mean, he ended up with thirty, but you know, they definitely limited his effect on you know assisting and rebounding to kind of put a put the strangleholds on him there. But uh, no, it's like he, I was talking to BJ and talking to other Lakers fans about this. How um, we were worried about how long it would take the Lakers, you know, to if they were going like, to click right off the bat or if it was going to take them some time. And we're kind of seeing right now, as evidence to their record, that, you know, they're they're clicking right now and the it, you don't want to see them burn out. And that's kind of like you said, the one fear that Lakers fans do have where you can do all this talking in the early part of the season, but, you know, you want to do – you want to be this hot going into the postseason and in the postseason. And uh, I think – what you're seeing from LeBron James, what you're seeing from Anthony Davis, um, they're definitely accomplishing a lot of their early season goals. Now the main thing for them is just kind of, you know, keeping that level of consistency up and not getting burned out. And I think they have the veteran experience to know, um, you know, when to do it and, uh, you know, when to take the foot off the gas a little bit and, you know, put it on cruise control. But the Lakers are definitely coming out for blood. And I said this to BJ not too long ago. I was saying that, um, with LeBron missing the postseason last year, this is going to be the healthiest LeBron that we've seen and the most hungry of uh, LeBron James that we've ever going to see of his whole career. And I think we're seeing that uh, given his stat line and given him leading the league in assists. So with all that said, Scoop, is LeBron James the front runner for MVP or is there another player in the league, a.k.a. Luka Doncic, that maybe can compete with him? Um, for that title, for that crown, and the we're only less than twenty games into the season. No, I mean I, I, LeBron James is playing exciting basketball. I think he's currently the MVP. Of, he's surely the, the MVP of the NBA. Um, Jamal Crawford said it was so yesterday. I was with Jamal yesterday in, in Manhattan, and uh, I think LeBron is the MVP of the league so far for a variety of reasons. Number one. Um, you know, I was in L- I was at I was at Clippers Lakers and you know that was one of the Lakers first 
pop quizzes. Yeah. Um, that they didn't pass, and I mean, that Clippers team was is a is a conducive team even before Kawhi got there. And of course, you know. Kawhi was out, but you know, if the Lakers had won that game, they would have said, well, they beat Kawhi and Paul George wasn't playing, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you look at the Lakers organization, there are some t- things that weren't in order in that first game, you know, you know, uh, those guys had not had an NBA experience together as a group, it was, it was the, a brand new head coach, um, you know, but Dwight Howard and, 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 and Danny Green were new, and you know, some of those other things. So I think, you know, the Lakers have grown since that game. But, um, you know, in, in, a, in an NBA where everybody was paying attention to the Lakers and everybody was paying attention to what the Clippers were doing, um, you know, the Clippers have had an interesting season now with Paul George back. So I, I think when you look at both L.A. teams, they're both adapting to those expectations. Will it be the purple and gold? Will it be the white, blue, and and red, but I think for the for for the for why LeBron should be the MVP, it has more to do with um, his endurance uh, through that fourteen and two stretch. Um, you know, I I, I was at uh, Lakers um, their home opener, Lakers and um, the Utah Jazz, and mm-hmm. you know the Jazz were a match for them. Um, and I think it, it's the fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron are clicking on all cylinders. And I'll add that in that Clippers game, they also the Lakers were out were without. Kyle Kuzma, who's found his role. Now you got Rondo coming back, so it's like you're adding all these pieces. Like, and LeBron has stayed consistent throughout. Yeah. Um, and I think that the goal for the Lakers is championship. But I think LeBron, literally, and I think you kind of mentioned it before. You know, sat out of NBA basketball play since April. He's had time to rest his body. He's had time to, to rest his his leg, which which he injured on Christmas Day last year. You know, this was this to me. This moment that LeBron has is kind of like the moment that Michael Jordan had after Houston won the back-to-back championships. Yep, and yeah, he brought that up. Literally trained all summer and got ready because if you remember, Michael Jordan sat out in the 1995 semifinals. Um, he, you know, Orlando eliminated him in the semifinals, and uh, you know he just got better. And Michael won three straight championships that year. So, you know, I think the only difference is when you look at the NBA Eastern Conference, when when Michael, you know, was going toe-to-toe with those guys from 96 to 98. I mean, the Bulls beat Seattle. They beat Utah twice. The only challenge that the Bulls had in that Eastern Conference really was the Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. You know, you had yeah. a Reggie Miller, Derek McKee, Rick Smith, Travis Best, Jalen Rose, led you know, uh, Pacers team. And when you look at LeBron in, his, in the Western Conference, he's got some competition. He's got, you know, those Clippers that, that got better this offseason. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up that the Clippers into that conversation because, you know, we've seen LeBron definitely step up his level of play um, this season and you know when they play the Clippers there's obviously that debate of who's the better LA team the battle for LA it's obviously uh, sparked uh, a new uh, flame into the whole rivalry but at the beginning of the before the season started in the preseason talk that kind of had a lot of betters uh, favoring the Clippers was like the depth that the Clippers had people were always talking about the depth you had Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams both competing for six man of the year on the same team but the Lakers, you know, they went out and got Boogie Cousins. Obviously, he went down with an injury, but then they've replaced him with Dwight Howard, and we've kind of seen 
the level of play Dwight Howard's had and the impact that he's had coming off the bench and he always accepted that role and accepted it pretty well. Um, the return of Kyle Kuzma, like you mentioned, coming off the bench, you know, being the Lakers' third leading scorer, um, bringing Rondo back, you know, facilitating, having that familiarity with both LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, not necessarily looking to get baskets, but kind of putting the, the shooters, Danny Green, Troy Daniels, and obviously good spots to shoot. But Laker fan favorite, Alex Caruso, you know, doing his thing when he gets his minutes. The Lakers, you know, have a pretty solid bench, and they're up there in terms of net rating for bench play, and the Clippers are, you know, right there as well. But do you think that the Lakers, when it comes to depth, we're not going to be talking about the starters because we know what the starters from both the Lakers and Clippers can do. But as far as the depth from both the L.A. teams, who are you giving the nod to? Um, I don't like giving predictions anymore because people take it overboard. But what I will say is um, I feel as though um, the depth that the Clippers have um, carries over to the chemistry that they had last season. and They've added pieces. You know, you mentioned Manchez Harrell. I think his confidence has has excelled uh, in the system he's in. He worked hard all all season, and you know, um, you know, I think adding Ty Lue to the mix in the coaching uh, department uh, has has been beneficial as well as an assistant, as a lead assistant coach with Sam Cassell. And you know, I I think that the the Lake, or excuse me, the Clippers are a well oiled machine. Uh, I talked with Shaq over the summer. Uh, we've, we've talked in depth about it. Uh, the attacks and just every time we see each other, he um, talks about just how convincing and how much credit uh, Jerry West should get into luring Kawhi Leonard uh, to to the Clippers. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, um, he talked about how Jerry West got um, him to come to LA uh, back when he was in the front office there, and how you know he's been able to. Uh, just successfully build programs, whether it was in Golden State, whether it's in uh, the Clippers, whether it's the Lakers. He loves California. Uh, he does. Which, and, 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 you know, he's a man of excellence. We share the same May 28th birthday, so he must be a genius. <laughs> um, but, but what I'll say is this. I think that um, the Clippers have the advantage as far as the bench goes, um, just simply because of um, – you know, just the personnel that they have and the chemistry they have. You know, they really went toe to toe with the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs last season, and they literally just added, you know, more lobster in the pot. That's a luxury. Um, when you look at the Lakers, uh, a lot of their roster is is new, um, but you know, I think the core of LeBron and Rondo uh, is very impressive to me at large. Nancy Lieberman told me uh, that. Uh, LeBron and Rondo are probably the smartest basketball players out there. Um, they have emotional uh, intelligence, intellectual intelligence, and the way that they see the basketball court uh, does them well. But, you know, the Lakers are still needing some additional pieces um, in the offseason, or excuse me, uh, th- during the regular season. You know, they're going to be able to find a way to make a trade or, you know, wait for Andre Iguodala to get bought out. Or, you know, are they going to sign a J.R. Smith? Or are they going to sign a, a Jamal Crawford, who's still a free agent? There's a lot of things to figure out. So, you know, naturally the Clippers do have the advantage, but. Um, I just think as a, as a basketball organization, any team that LeBron James is on, you know, they're going to find a way to, to win a basketball game. His, his track record speaks for itself. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the Jerry West uh, kind of connection because we know Jerry West was pivotal to bring in um, Shaq over from Orlando 
to LA and obviously we saw the success that he had and you know doing the same thing obviously for our rivals doesn't necessarily help Jerry West in terms of uh Lakers love but we know Jerry West Mr. Basketball um did his thing for the Lakers back in the day he's always going to have uh purple and gold running through his veins regardless of where he ends up but uh, I want you to um I know you brought up uh Andre Iguodala um you know Jamal Crawford stuff like that uh do you think that the Lakers you know given the given the chance that they might potentially look at the buyout market or come near the trade deadline where they want to maybe add another shooter or add anything else who would you say is like would fit the best I know Andre Iguodala has that championship pedigree and someone that could definitely benefit from being on the Lakers. Uh, do you think that Iggy would be the best fit to bring in um, to the Los Angeles Lakers for the regular season and into the postseason? I think Iggy would be a good fit. Memphis is just not going to give him up for anything. And, uh, you know, I, I think that with with Iguodala, you know, what would Memphis want? You know, obviously he's not going to play on a Memphis team that's building al- along with, you know, Jaron Jackson and, and, and um, Jaron Jackson Jr. and, and John Morant, uh, who I think John Morant is an incredible talent and is proving why on the next level in the NBA. He saw it in, in college, and I'm very pleased at, at what he's been able to do. Um, but but to, to directly answer your question about the Andre Iguodala, um, I mean, some feel like the Lakers are building uh, or are getting, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope minutes and allowing him to show what he can do because maybe they're showcasing him for a potential trade. But you know, what else do you add? You're the Lakers. You're you're a top tier team. You know, you you got that that pick in the summer or in the draft this summer. You use that 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 uh, trump card to you know go out and get Anthony Davis. And a lot of teams are not going to just give LeBron James a championship. Yeah. So. You know, the Iguodala thing, Iguodala fits because he can play both sides of the basketball. Defensively, he's a stopper. I mean, he, he, was, he, he, he really and truly um, willed that Warriors team to a couple of championships with Steph Curry. And then offensively, you know, he can spell LeBron in, 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 in some minutes, as, as well as Anthony Davis at times. So um, if not them, I would like to see Jamal Crawford. Um, join the Lakers but you know people question his age people question his defensive uh, prowess I, I, I am partial I do like Jamal I want to see him play but you know I, I thought Carmelo Anthony would have been a good fit but he wasn't going to sit around and wait for the Lakers uh, you know the Lakers are waiting for Iguodala but the other thing is um, you know you have other free agents on the market you have J.R. Smith you have you know um, Joakim Noah you have you know Joakim Noah the Lakers were, were, were looking at him right um uh, the Joe Kim Noah this summer, and uh, we've been playing phone tag the last couple months. But you know, he told me he wants to look for the right fit uh, that that complements his skill set. I, I would have thought the Lakers would have been that when when um, Demarcus Cousins got hurt. But you know, they saw something we didn't with with Dwight Howard. You know, Dwight Howard is is living his best life, as as uh, Little Duval would say. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, man, um, I think Iguodala will be the best fit, but it all depends on what the Lakers give up or if Iguodala gets Memphis to cut him. I know Lakers fans want Iguodala on their side. You know, like I said, he's he's won in the past. Um, he's proven that he can play, like you said, both sides of the ball. Uh, he's a knockdown shooter. Uh, he brings that athleticism. Uh, he can run in the he can run the court. You know, he does everything that would fit next to LeBron and he can I think 
play a really big role in the development of Kyle Kuzma, um, who we're not talking about as much, but you've seen Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, we all know he's going to be um, a good scorer. He's a good slasher. He's a good cutter. LeBron loves those kind of players. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's shot has dipped in his sophomore year, but we know he's he's capable of shooting the rock pretty well and you know it's just a matter of how efficient he can do it uh he did some work with the lethal shooter as bj likes to bring out all the time um he does he does he works on his game and he's a committed player and i think bringing in a player like Iguodala and even jamal crawford even um you know can definitely help kyle kuzma's development and being a good shooter so i think that i think that would be ideal for the lakers to do is bring in an iguodala possibly on a shorter deal lakers aren't really working with the most uh, cap room um so you know get him on a short-term deal get a buyout hopefully with iguodala then we'll see what happens but um the last segment i want to talk to you that's kind of just like an improv kind of thing i just kind of thought about it while we were talking about the lakers and clippers I was working on a piece for Basketball Society about the Phoenix Suns and how, you know, they got off to a hot start. Devin Booker, you know, coming up, coming out of the season, firing, um, he's like white hot. Uh, do you think that the Suns or anybody um, can compete with the Lakers or Clippers um, in the Western Conference um, come playoffs? And do you, who do you think is the biggest competition outside of those two? I know you see Houston with Westbrook and uh, Harden. And then there's some other teams out there, but Sacramento obviously is a team that's uh, a dark horse. Um, do you think any of them can, can really compete with those two, or do you think those are the cream of the crop? Uh, I'll never say never. Just like I think, you know, as much as many people give, um, you know, the Sixers the nod as a, um, as, a, as representing the Eastern Conference, I think that they don't give Milwaukee enough credit. I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, even a team like Toronto, um, Siakam is playing lights out, and we're talking about the Eastern Conference, but to, to, to directly, answer, directly answer your question about the Western Conference, um, Denver. I think Denver's not given enough credit, and I think you saw in the playoffs last year, uh, Denver is, is, is able to make some things happen. You know, the, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the Lakers have won about eight straight, and I think that both the Clippers and the Nuggets have won six straight. Um, so, you know, I think they're not paying attention to as much just because they're Denver. Um, you know, you look at Nikola Jokic. Um, many would argue that he was an MVP candidate last season. Yeah, he put um, on he put on some pounds in the off season though. Yeah, he did. And he bulked up. He bulked up a lot, which I think is good for his post game. Yeah, and so you know when you when you look at when you look at um, when you look at Denver and you look at Nikola Jokic uh, in the playoffs. You know they they made it happen, and uh, they were they were impressive to watch. Just Portland had other plans, and um, you know I, I just think it's very early uh, to be just predicting things. And you know December fifteenth is when um, players who signed their, their their deals can now you know potentially be traded. Like it's but that moratorium is over, and so people may you know Miami could be a buyer and a seller and, and come come. Um, Come December fifteenth, but when you look at the Western Conference, I think the Western Conference is just that good. Like, like you ask me if there's any competition the Lakers or the Clippers may have, and then I look at like the talent that's in the Western Conference, and imagine if some of those Western Conference teams actually played in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Like Minnesota would be a, would be a gem in the Eastern Conference, um, as would the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Houston would steamroll 
uh, teams in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, I think one thing I'll add about the Houston Rockets is I think people didn't give Russell Westbrook and James Harden enough credit. People just thought that they were going to coast and, you know, They've only played about 17, 18 games, so it's still very early. Um, but, you know, Houston has some pieces. You know, you, you have Clint Capella. You have uh, Eric Gordon. Uh, you have other pieces that complement um, P.J. Tucker. You have other guys that have been there, have gone deep runs in the playoffs. But um, as of now, I still do think that the Lakers and the Clips uh, probably – have the biggest uh, are the biggest threat in the Western Conference, but Denver to me is a sneaky team in a way that Portland was sneaky last year. Yeah, yeah, and the thing about the thing that I think is most surprising, I think, as one of the biggest NBA headlines um, of the early season, has been the the Trailblazers' slow start. And you know, you can credit it a lot to a lot of the um, improvements from the Western Conference teams. A lot of the teams, like I said, the Phoenix Suns, you know, starting off hot. Uh, Timberwolves, the Mavericks, you know, uh, that definitely plays a factor in a team getting off to a slow start. And, you know, Trailblazers had to make a move, and they obviously made that move signing Carmelo Anthony. But a lot of the teams in the Western Conference, man, they just, you just look at it from one through like even 10, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of good teams out there. And, you know, CP3 is doing his best to kind of keep OKC relevant. Um, CP3 hasn't, you know, missed the playoffs in quite some time. But, you know he's trying to get back into the postseason, trying to keep the Thunder relevant. Um, it's, it's just interesting, and I, I like having these discussions early, so we can kind of look back on them and see how close or how wrong we were. And Denver does scare me, especially with Michael Porter Jr. being healthy now. Uh, we'll see how he develops as a player, but they're just top to bottom from the Denver Nuggets. You know they they have a lot of talent. You know Will Barton, uh, Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. It's, they're a scary bunch, and I think if you going to a seven game series with them you better believe that game's going at least six so a lot of uh, a lot of competition out there and uh, hopefully the lakers this is a lakers podcast so hopefully the lakers steamroll uh, pretty much everybody so scoop i think that pretty much does it thank you so much for joining us uh, before um before i have you send out uh, i just want to have you uh kind of shout out your social media where people can find you um uh, if you have any you know um like podcasts or anything that you're doing that you want fans to know about, uh, I'm going to give you uh, the opportunity to do so. Well, first and foremost, make sure you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast. 3.5 million streams last year. Uh, anybody from DJ Khaled to Jamal Crawford to Charles Barkley to Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, um, Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri, uh, has been on Scoopy Radio. Um, you can also subscribe, or rather... Um, Check out all my work at Basketball Society online, whether it's through uh, my videos on Instagram or whether it's through um, my um, writing over at Basketball Society online. And also, uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at ScoopB, that's S-C-O-O-P and the letter B. And Instagram and Snapchat, you can follow me uh, at Scoop underscore B. And that's it, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>